0: And so we end up with a situation where people are sat on the sofa feeling sleepy, maybe even falling asleep. But then as soon as they realize the time, realize that it's bedtime, as soon as they move towards the bedroom, as soon as they put their head on the pillow, exactly. It's that bang. Their amygdala goes, oh, no, quick. We need to prepare them. This is the the danger time. The
1: fighting time, um, Yeah,
0: The fighting time. And, yeah. you know, it if we look at, if we think about a spectrum, on one end you've got you've got sleep, and on the other end you've got fight or flight. They're yeah. very
1: different. Hello and welcome back to the Uttering Tinnitus Podcast. This is Frida, and I'm your host. And in this podcast episode, I am so excited to bring you my all-time um, uh, sleep expert, insomnia uh, guru, doctor guy Meadows. Um, Honestly, personally, in my own uh, story with insomnia, he has played the greatest and most influencing role in helping me get back to uh, natural and refreshing sleep. And uh, he really is a role model in everything he does for people with insomnia, claiming their lives back and really helping people back on track. And I get so excited when I speak to him. And I was been I've been looking forward to this podcast interview for a long time. Um, and today I have on the podcast Doctor Guy Meadows from the Sleep School. He is a sleep scientist from the UK in London, and he has perfected the approach of acceptance and commitment for um, a very successful insomnia treatment. Um, you will hear a lot of very cool insights. But um, because I want to, for you to get the most helpful out of this episode. Uh, please know that there is his book out there that's called um, uh, The Sleep Book, How to Sleep Well Every Night. And uh, it's also available as an audible version to which I have listened to honestly, probably minimum 20 times. Um, And also there's a Sleep School app And I'm saying this because I I can tell you that I have been to sleep scientists, uh, renowned sleep scientists here in Germany. And uh, in the end, what stuck with me and what helped me the most was the approach from Dr. Guy Meadows. And it's just revolutionary. It's just amazing what he and his team does and transforming people's lives, allowing people to claim their old lives back to um, live a good life, uh, even while experiencing insomnia. But then ultimately going back to sleeping like a natural sleeper. And uh, today in this podcast episode, we cover on many, many different points, and I hope that this is as valuable for you as it has been for me. Uh, For me, it's certainly a little bit of a dream come true. I also thought to myself, uh, you would not have thought in your 20s that um, one of your dreams come true would be interviewing a sleep scientist on your tinnitus podcast. But hey, right, we all change, interests change, we become different. And when I was in my 20s, I did a lot of things that I didn't think I would be doing in my 30s. Uh, so here I am, 33 years old, having recorded this podcast episode with Dr. Guy Meadows. If you do enjoy and like the podcast, then of course, I'd be super happy if you could leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform, uh, or also subscribe. Um, uh, that helps a lot of other people get these podcast episodes, and I think pretty much for anyone struggling with insomnia, and there's a lot of people, right? Same with tinnitus, uh, with insomnia, it's even up to 30% of the population will at some point in their life experience a of insomnia and some people a lot of people also deal with chronic insomnia so yeah um, let's do the intro and then get right into the episode with a sleep scientist sleep school founder and my personal hero he's no less than my personal hero uh, dr guy meadows enjoy guys Hello and welcome to the Outerring Tinnitus Podcast. This is Frida and I'm your host. This podcast is all about the tinnitus science and what you can do to live a better life despite the ringing. This episode is brought to you by MyTinnitus.Club. And in today's message from MyTinnitus.Club, we have a very, very special interest for all people who deal with tinnitus and insomnia. Inside our MyTinnitus.Club community, you can find the dedicated section that allows you to find all the helpful and necessary resources for you to get a good night's sleep, even with your tinnitus. Because the problem is not the experience or presence of tinnitus, but your reaction that causes hyperarousal and causes you to lie awake at night, fighting at first your tinnitus and later on the fact that you're not asleep yet and the worries about how next day is going to turn out if you can't sleep. So go to mytinnitus.club, that's www.mytinnitus.club to start your personal 14-day free trial and discover how you can sleep well every night despite tinnitus. All right. Um, so welcome back, everyone, to the Outering Tinnitus Podcast. This is Frida, and I'm your host. And you know how I uh, i think I may be overdoing it a little bit with telling you guys always that I'm so excited to have a special guest in the podcast. But today I have um, a very personal interest in having the special guest on the show. Um, today with me, we have uh, Dr. Guy Meadows from the Sleep School. Um, and uh, I, my personal journey with insomnia um, has been so much inspired through all the work that he does uh in in his program and uh yeah welcome dr guy meadows to the show and we are so excited to having you on today to talk about tinnitus and insomnia and uh how we can help people with both of those uh, issues
0: thank you frida yeah super excited to be here thank you very much uh yeah let's get let's get stuck in
1: yeah, awesome, great. So I I thought we we might want to start a little bit um I can tell people a little bit about uh, my personal journey and um uh, how I found you in order to set the scene maybe for that you can introduce us a little bit more to the concepts um that you have found out in your journey as a, a sleep scientist, as someone becoming so well equipped in helping people deal with insomnia. So for me, for me, and I just told you this in a nutshell, I've been struggling with insomnia on and off for a couple of years. I never had problems in my in my childhood or in my youth. Um, But they sort of started with when professional life started and even more so when I started running a tinnitus coaching business, you know, when you try to find your way somehow and try to find your way of things and and your brain is always problem solving. And I think that's what most constitutes my my difficulty of how my sleep uh, uh, struggle started. But I've, I've went sort of the conventional route everywhere, like uh, sleep uh, tracking, sleep studies, uh, uh, and nothing came off it. Um, uh, everything's fine. And the final stage was going to one of the uh, leading sleep scientists and, uh, and being uh, told that, well, you're probably depressed, so you should take some antidepressants. And I was not willing to accept that. And I just felt inside that, that that's not the right way for me to take. And then I went to my GP. She said to me, have you ever heard of the sleep uh, book by Dr. Guy Meadows? And I said, no, I haven't. And I was going through a bout of uh, bad sleep at that uh, stage. And, and then I sort of like, I know it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a week, a, a weekly program, but I, I did the whole book in, in one day. And uh, that, night, that night I slept like for six hours and I finally had the proof that there's nothing fundamentally wrong with me, but it's all about how I relate to my sleeplessness. And yeah, that's sort of like my story, but maybe just to set the scene of where you're coming from and maybe in your own words, uh, your journey, how you have created the program. And uh, yeah, thank you for being here and, and taking the time to speak to us. So
0: everything you've you've just said there. Uh, Frida, is, you know, e- echoes hugely with what we hear on a daily basis with our clients, sadly. Um, it, it, and, and I think that's really, you know, it's important to say that, you know, it, it's it's very normal, you know, for many of our clients, they will describe that uh, insomnia is triggered because of, you know, life events, you know, work stress, um, but also other uh, conditions like tinnitus, for example. And then another sort of key point that you mentioned is around, And this is a sort of a a sad point is that still many uh, GPs doctors um, will often suggest that, well, if you're suffering from insomnia, it must be secondary to some other mental or physical health disorder. And the common one being, oh, it must be depression. And uh, for many of our clients, you know, the the response to that is, you know, I know I'm not depressed, but because if I slept, I'd feel absolutely fine. Um, And that, you know, we can dive into that, that that intricate relationship between sleep and mental health i guess in a moment but if i was to just give you a quick summary um about my background i guess that might be helpful
1: yes please so
0: i am i'm a sleep doctor i have a doctorate in sleep disorders from imperial college i used to work at the sleep research laboratories at the royal brompton hospital and charing cross hospital in london and incidentally you know there's no irony lost in the fact that my first bout of insomnia was triggered because of doing nights and uh you know and basically was triggered as a result of spending my time watching other people sleep or not sleep and 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 you know this might be appropriate for some of your listeners you know that was simply because of the fact that i was doing shift work and mm. uh and shift work obviously causes that um mm biological chaos that that that' so a misalignment of your circadian rhythm which you know is is a is a sort of a, a a trigger for insomnia and so that's what led to my first sort of personal experience of of sleeplessness of insomnia and 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 it really so it so it spiked that sort of personal interest but also a professional interest as well because insomnia is 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 psychophysiological and and at the time you know I was very much a physiologist understanding the sort of the physiology of sleep and researching the physiology of sleep but with a with a real interest in in the sort of the psychological aspects as well and and that's where I began to look at things like CBT cognitive behavior therapy for insomnia and after I'd finished my PhD I began to explore methods to help insomniacs which were kind of beyond the the standard drug therapeutic model which was out there and and began to explore uh cbt and you know to cut a long story short what i found is that cbt cognitive behavior therapy for insomnia it works but it wasn't as effective as i wanted it to be or my clients wanted it to be and and i began to just employ other approaches and at the time i was already using beginning to use mindfulness um, for my own in my own personal life with to help manage my own anxiety and we've just got to sort of frame the fact that you know this was like i started to use mindfulness in like 1999 and where you could only only find mindfulness in london at your local buddhist center
1: yeah <laughs> you know, Yeah. Is, wow crazy there
0: were like four places in london and they were all buddhist centers you know whereas now we look at it and it's incredible you know everywhere so, yeah and I, I it was it was kind of revolutionary for me because it was saying okay you're feeling anxious well can you sit with it and notice it rather than trying to change it or get rid of it and so that was really interesting and i actually in those early days i began to try and create something called mindful sleep therapy where I was kind of cobbling together these mindfulness acceptance based techniques was not really knowing what I was doing. And, and then um, it wasn't until 2005 that I actually, I was on a, and I love to name drop this. I was on a retreat with John Cabot zinn Oh, wow. Nice. (laughs) He'd come over to the UK. It was a, you know, such a, 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 and we did this, this, I think it was like a two or three day retreat in Oxford. It was absolutely amazing. Obviously, you know, sort of the, the godfather of mindfulness, yeah, um, or bringing it to the Western world. And I met someone there, and they said, you know, do you, do you uh, know acceptance and commitment therapy or ACTS? And and that was really the sort of you know, the 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 start of everything because suddenly I found this this model. That was already being used, and it was, you know, still. I mean, it was in its infancy, despite the fact that it was had been, you know, had started, you know, in like the late eighties by Stephen Hayes, Kelly Wilson, Kirk Strozel. Yeah. and that's where I began to then apply the acceptance and commitment therapy based model to insomnia, and um, and you know, to and and then in you know, two thousand and thirteen, I think it was, you know. Uh, published the sleep book, and uh, and and now you know I am the clinical director and co-founder of Sleep School, where we apply the model of acceptance and commitment therapy for insomnia. And I guess the latest update is that we we now have our digital therapeutic. We have the Sleep School app, which has our 30 day overcoming insomnia program, which is you know I, I see as the the latest version of the sleep book. And the great thing is. Because it's an app, I can sort of tinker with it regularly. So I talk to clients and I think, oh, that's really cool. Okay, we'll update that section to include that bit. So it's sort of like a, a live version of, of of the book now. And and yeah, and so that's how I find myself here today.
1: I, I love it. And I can connect with uh, so much of what you're saying. And uh, I, I think you're sort of like 10 years ahead of me because i i i i do i do something similar but in in a different space right so i use um act um not only in the scientific um in a scientific evaluation of the effectiveness of applying acceptance and commitment to tinnitus but uh, you know i you know i, I told you this before I, I have a community an online community with um online courses and a lot of times i find myself applying metaphors from um the the psychophysiological aspects of insomnia to tinnitus right so the relationship that you build with your tinnitus or that you maintain with habitual behavior to your tinnitus determines your tinnitus. In the same way, I cannot stop thinking about um, uh, uh, your sentence in the sleep book. Uh, Therefore, um, how you react to your insomnia determines your insomnia. And this is the one thing that I can say to all people. And I have created this little thing where I say an ACT key inside our community. So for people to uh, to tell themselves when they fall back into habitual behavior, or reacting to their tinnitus. So when they develop their own ACT key, and for me, my ACT key for insomnia is how you react to your insomnia determines your insomnia. So if I find myself awake at night, I know, ah, Frida how you react to your insomnia determines your insomnia. So I like snuggle up on the pillow, I close my eyes, I give a little smile and I'm like, I'm just here, lying here, resting and chilling. So for some people who who may have not read your book yet, that might be uh, sounding super encounter- counterintuitive and they might be light years away from lying awake and uh, and all the concept of the silver, bronze and gold medal. So we can just um tell you, uh, go out there, get the sleep book by Dr. Guy Meadows and then you will start being able to find all these concepts in there. But I find... This uh, so amazing of what you're sharing that the, the development of the ACT therapy um, uh, uh, for insomnia um, can help people change the way they deal with their sleeplessness completely. And I, if you can speak to it and 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 the difference, because I think um, in the last ten years there was a huge surge in the um, awareness around sleep. Right, we had Matthew Walker publish his book. He massive waves, and I must say. I like Matthew Walker and I and I'm all for the approach that he gave people to make sleep a priority but at the time when I heard his stuff first he was not very good for people with insomnia because he basically said, if you don't sleep eight hours uh, a night, you might be dead within the next 10 years. And that was not a great thing to tell someone who's dealing with insomnia. Now I know he has, so not to be able, not to be saying something against Matthew Walker. I know that he has relativized a lot of these things because he wanted to push for more awareness around uh, uh, sleep and how sleep is important for us. And that's very important for our society. But I, I, I also know that at the time, it was kind of this productivity thing, right? Everyone came up with... a Sana and product management things and Monday.com and we need to get more done with less time and and but we also need to sleep better, work life balance, all of these kind of things. But then people with insomnia, they feel like I'm left, I'm left out here. So if you could speak to how how the ACT therapy, so the ACT therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, helps people to go through a completely different approach, and maybe we need to share a little bit more um, on the podcast how that approach can uh, help people sleep better and um, 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 uh, and and manage their insomnia in 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 a more let's say holistic way rather than turning to conventional uh, 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 methods.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and I I think. It is really important you know I could talk for hours on every there were so many points that you've just sort of mentioned you know so um the, the you, you mentioned about that relationship between you know sort of the, the use of act for insomnia the use of act for the tinnitus uh, but also another one which is very similar um it is chronic pain as well and and so if if we kind of uh, what I will try to do is walk a cl- walk, you know, the the, the people listening through yeah. the ACT model, and so people can kind of understand it in relation to how it helps with insomnia. So, if we if we just start, you know, insomnia is means a difficulty sleeping, and um and you know that can be acute. So, sort of uh, people experiencing you know, a bit of sleeplessness. Um, uh, sort of for a few nights a week but for a period less than three months when it becomes you know it is it's guaranteed it's three or more nights per uh, week for a period greater than three months then we're looking at more of a clinical diagnosis and it's beginning to impact things like mood things like focus and attention the the ability to get on with your life and so that's where we we start moving into this into the domain where um, people will will if if you you know if they're listening they're experiencing they'll understand this it's it's where you enter the vicious cycle of insomnia which is where you begin to worry about not sleeping and the more you worry the less you sleep and the less you sleep the more you worry and we go round but there's also another really crucial human element which is when we are presented with a problem what we do is our wonderful controlling mind goes I need to fix the problem. And so what can I do to fix this? And and this is this was one of my kind of, um, you know, moments of, you know, enlightenment, shall we say, you know, way back when I was working with chronic insomniacs. And, you know, I, I came up with this 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 saying, which was, you know, if you ask a normal sleeper what they do to sleep, they'll basically say, yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't I know.
2: know.
0: <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. You know, they shrug their shoulders and, you know, they look confused, you know, go. well, <laughs> I just put my head on the pillow and I fall asleep. But if you ask an insomniac, well, then they will give you a list as long as their arm. And and this is what I suddenly realized, you know, insomniacs were putting so much time, effort, energy, emotion into getting themselves to sleep only to find that it wasn't actually working and almost what was happening is sleep was getting put up on this pedestal it's like i have to do all of this in order to try and achieve this and it doesn't even guarantee it and you know and and this is you know for so many of our clients they would be lying in bed and they'd be going i've done all of the 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 sleep hygiene guidelines i've i've been a good person you know i haven't drunk any alcohol i haven't had any caffeine i i ran a marathon today i did some yoga i you know i did some meditation i've done everything right but i'm still not sleeping and then of course the natural you know sort of uh, common denominator is that that people get to is you know it must be me I'm not doing it right. So then you stack in to you know an already difficult situation a load of self blame, and th- you know the bottom line is the more people are doing, well they're trying to achieve something that requires nothing to do it by doing lots of stuff, and and this is where you come into that struggle sort of metaphor, which is this classic insomnia tug of war. You know what happens is when people can't sleep, they start to get caught up in this tug of war. They're desperately trying to get to sleep, and you know I've got another s- saying that I, you know, you know, some phrase that I say, which is that you know you never hear anyone say, "Wow, I really struggled my way into that great night's sleep." You know, it's sort nope. of it, 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 it doesn't happen because yeah. struggle is associated with arousal, with fight or flight, you know, with uh, anxiety. And these are not the conditions in which sleep emerges. But the problem, and this is where insomnia becomes a learned condition, is that the more nights you begin to struggle, you begin to worry about not sleeping, you begin to fret and get frustrated, well, the more your your brain... Does what it's naturally evolved to do is to go, Well, this situation seems to be a bit of a problem. Therefore, Mm. we should prepare that person for this situation the next time it's going to happen. And so we end up with a situation where people are sat on the sofa, feeling sleepy, maybe even falling asleep. But then as soon as they realize the time, realize that it's bedtime, as soon as they move towards the bedroom, as soon as they put their head on the pillow, exactly, it's that bang, their amygdala goes, Oh no quick we need to prepare them this is the the danger time
1: the fighting time Um, yeah.
0: the fighting time and you know it if we look at if we think about a spectrum on one end you've got you've got sleep and on the other end you've got fight or flight they're very yeah Yeah. you know sort of this one takes milliseconds to you know sort of get into that place and whereas this one the average you know the average person takes 15 20 minutes to fall asleep so you can see there is actually a point worth making that actually from an evolutionary standpoint, we are, the, the scales are weighted hugely towards fight or flight. And, you know, another thing I always say is that you never see anyone fall asleep, running away from a bear, um, nope. <laughs> you know, it, it's yeah. because it's you're in that state of fight or flight. And so that kind of brings us to, I guess the, the, the how chronic insomnia develops and, you know, we can now go on to talk about, okay, well, you know, how does that come into it?
1: Yeah. Um I, I I think this is, you know, for someone who's struggling with insomnia and who night after night lies there feeling completely isolated alone. Um, you, you, you might see these statistics, right? 30% of the population struggle with this. So you're absolutely not alone, but you know how it is, right? In the middle of the night, it's dark, it's quiet. Your partner's asleep, snoring next to you. Uh, and, and they are, there's just the best sleeper. I can speak from experience because my wife, her head hits the pillow and she gets 10 hours of uh, perfect sleep and she wakes up refreshed in the morning. And I often, in the last few years, now I see myself getting much better, but in the last few years, like. (laughs) <laughs> already sitting there three hours shattered in the morning when she gets up and is like, oh, that was a good night. And I'm just like, yeah, well, that's good for you, I guess. <laughs> no, but I, I, you know, that to understand, and what I want to say with this is an understanding of why that is the natural reaction of your brain and that you have nothing done wrong. And if you have the perception of having done wrong something, then you lack the compassion with yourself of saying, hey, this is a totally normal process. My brain wants to protect me from something. And your natural problem-solving brain is trying to suggest strategies for you to how to avoid the pain that you're experiencing, right? But it's not through the avoidance of the pain that you're going to get better with this thing. And in the similar way, everything you said is one-on-one being able to be applied to tinnitus and tinnitus habituation, habituating to to your tinnitus so that tinnitus goes into the background. It becomes like the humming of your fridge when you sit in the morning, read your newspaper. The humming of your fridge is only a problem to you if it's different than usual because you will say, oh, maybe my fridge is breaking and I need to get a new fridge. Otherwise, your brain tunes out the fridge completely. You won't even hear the fridge. And this is the same thing with tinnitus, how how your brain has categorized your response to tinnitus either as something that you read online and forums as people struggling with it for years, or maybe even sad cases of people uh, committing suicide in response to tinnitus, because those are there, right? But to to understand that and how you react to your tinnitus and manage to develop compassion and an understanding of why your fight or flight instinct is triggered on why your problem-solving brain is trying to make all of these uh, escape routes out for you, not wanting to experience all these negative emotions and feelings in, in regards to your tinnitus that actually keeps your reactivity alive and keeps you sort of like in this heightened state. And in the same way, I will try to tell people, if you practice act, then habituation uh, doesn't have to be month or years away in the same way if you practice act, insomnia doesn't have to last for a month or years. There, there is the possibility that you have, I I, I read this on your, on your forum a, a few days ago, a, a lady writing, I had a panic attack in the evening and half an hour later I was asleep. So you know that the physiological ability of your brain to either uh, go to sleep, has nothing to do with your with your with your panic state in the first place. You, physiologically, you're still able to sleep as long as you accept that you, in this moment, you go through the wave of emotion and uh, the fight or flight instinct, and then you calm down, and then you put yourself in the best position to sleep. In the same way, applied to tinnitus, meaning you have a massive. Uh, sp- Bike or a massive reaction to your tinnitus but then say oh it's okay to experience this this is just my tinnitus a normal response of my auditory system to a misguided stimulus and information being de- delivered to my brain falsely and if that's okay then I give myself the to, to just go through this emotion then I put myself in the best position in 10 minutes to be focusing on something else and my tinnitus goes completely into the background and I'm not paying attention to it anymore so this to me is amazing and it creates this big big thing of hope where we can tell people with insomnia it's not you it's it's a normal way of responding to it but this uh, neither tinnitus nor your the fight of light instinct that gets triggered in your response to maybe rushing your teeth is is determining whether you're not going to sleep at all or whether you're going to have a solid six seven eight hours of sleep that night
0: yeah exactly exactly and i think you know just hearing you chat there you you, you we, we can see that there's this incredible similarity between insomnia and, and tinnitus and you know but some of those individuals obviously you know as you said um will have both and 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 that can feel insurmountable but it is about it's about using the act tools ultimately one to give yourself permission to be awake but also you know, to give yourself permission to have the tinnitus as well. Mm. And, you know, earlier on in our conversation, you you gave that very sort of um, uh, brief overview of how you respond to nighttime wakefulness. You said you will, you know, you will sort of lie there, you'll come into the moment, you'll sort of, uh, there might be a little bit of a, uh, a friendly welcome to the, you know, to, to the wakefulness, et cetera. And but what I was really pleased about is you you caveatted and said, you know, the, I'm quite far down the journey because I, you know, that's what's really important. It's about realizing that's quite an advanced response. Um, and you know, when someone first comes to, you know, insomnia, that this natural instinct to want to get rid of the pain is what's driving it. Um, but I, I think, you know, to, to give you that, that sort of spectrum, I was working with a client um this year where she the response to nighttime wakefulness was was just one of incredible fear and mm. and panic. and mm. and it was it was not a place that she wanted to be at all. And then, you know, after doing the program, etc, and spending time getting to know her insomnia, she was able to say, and I'd never heard this before. she was able to say that um, the nighttime is her nighttime wakefulness. Is her medicine, and it's this. That's what this is all about. Is this transformation of her relationship with the the, the discomfort, the pain, the fear, where she can now go? Actually, your know, nighttime wakefulness, which is exactly what you were referring to, is this is no longer something to be gotten rid of or to be escaped or run away from. It's an opportunity to learn from to get to know to put into practice all of the the tools that we use in acceptance and commitment therapy to 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 ultimately transform your relationship with the with the sleep or with the tinnitus etc
1: um i i to me honestly this is still all of this is still mind blowing because it is something where we see in our world so many people being uh, overly stressed uh using sleeping pills and uh <sighs> And and, and it just seems to be in so much turmoil, but this seems to be like the one thing that requires no medication. It requires that you uh, put in the work, develop the compassion. As I remember you say, like, you you would uh, if your if your best friend would come to you and would tell tell you about your problems either tinnitus or or insomnia how would you uh, relate to it if you were talking to your best friend and sharing those worries with them right and 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 they would say like you know what don't be don't be so hard on yourself and and you got to understand the journey uh, in order to make to make those steps forward and to me to me this is still to say like if if you if you if you are willing to go into the journey and if you're willing to subject yourself, and this is something that I think, I mean, this will be maybe for a later part of the conversation, but um, I, I remember very clearly that in one of the sections in the book, you talk about um, insomnia, bringing very old uh, things out of our childhood or, or, or traumatic events back into our lives. And you know, to go, it is obviously a very advanced step, but to go from lying awake, panicking or, 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 or beating up your pillow, or or getting up to drink a, a glass of wine or, or to... to and, and I've done all of these things um, and I'm not afraid to share it. And uh, to, to saying insomnia is an opportunity for me to getting to know myself better and knowing what are these darkest things that are um, deeply ingrained inside of me and what are these worst fears connected to? Because I often say in the tinnitus habituation journey, um, whether a person is going to uh, manage to habituate to their tinnitus largely depends on how they first started to experience their tinnitus. And of course, uh, we want to um, ex- uh, avoid all that very, very first original pain, right? So if they might might, might be a few months on, down the road or even a few years, but whenever the tinnitus becomes more distressing, what they're going back to is that very, very first experience of uh, maybe insomnia, maybe depression, maybe Maybe kind of like the the, the absolute worst moment those, ex, those they experience, and that's what they relate back to when their tinnitus sort of becomes bothersome again. So, uh, just your in in your own words, um, uh, uh, because I think it's incredibly helpful to sort of see challenging events in our life also as opportunities to learn about ourselves. Um, um what what's your relationship with with, with that? We'll be back in the episode in just a short moment. I just wanted to share with you something that Dawn, uh, one of our Tinnitus Club members, talked about recently. She shares uh, her insights into tinnitus habituation and what the community has been doing for her. And of course, we'd be super honored to welcome you into our community as well. But let's give uh, Dawn the word.
2: I think um, I've had it for about, same as you, 15, 16 years. And I have habituated to it three times in the past. Uh, but this last time um i was just floored with it i just didn't know how to deal with it and uh then i found this place and it's taught me n- no end um how i was dealing with it was wrong you know it's taught me not to react to it um and like you said it's nice knowing because i think it's a very isolated disease um because you're the only one that can hear it, your family can't. So you're you you're only you're the only one that knows what you're going through. Uh, but when you come to somewhere like this, it just it it's it makes it easier because you know that you're not on your own. And it's just probably been the best thing. i have in the best place now in this last two years than I I have been for like I say in the last two years. i I'm, I'm just it's amazing what it's done for me.
1: So, if you're experiencing something that's similar to what Dawn is going through, then you know absolutely where to go and where to look and where to turn to. Um, we'd be super excited to welcome you in our Club community. So, if you head over to www.MyTinnitus.Club, you can sign up for your 14 days free trial, um, join one of our members' events, introduce yourself to our other members. We are currently getting a buddy system going so that people who are already way on their path to habituation can support and help other people who are newer in the community so if this is something that you want to uh, get into and you want to live your best life despite tinnitus then sign up for your free trial at www.mytinnitus.club but let's get back into the episode
0: absolutely i i I think that is the, the the ultimate mind state really which is where we can firstly recognize that suffering is a normal part of being human. It's the one thing that connects us all together. It's this this sort of idea that we will kind of, you know, fix everything and be happy forever and just be walking along. And that's kind of what, you know, if you go to the airport, it really sort of annoys me that you see these billboards with, you know, sort of um, these perfect, you know, sort of happy families walking along golden sanded beaches, etc. I mean, you know, happiness is used as a vehicle for selling stuff, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, it, it, you know, what I prefer is you know if people were a little bit more honest and and you know sort of went well actually you know sort of it's it's perfectly normal to experience pain and discomfort it's a fundamental part of everyday life and actually accepting that discomfort when it comes along and leaning into it is is the most essential way in enabling us to keep moving towards our values. And and that's, you know, if we come to the ACT model, it's called acceptance and commitment therapy. So it's about accepting the discomfort in order to commit to acting upon what's important to us. And and for me, that's always been an absolutely central part of insomnia. When I, uh, for example, when I used to run, we used to run group workshops in London and we'd have 30 or 40 people turn up. And at the very beginning, before the workshop had even begun, I'd uh, hand out a post-it note. And this was sort of just, you know, we're waiting for people to turn up, etc. And I'd say, I'd like you just to write down on that post-it note, some of the things that makes your heart sing. And, uh, and, and so people would write down, oh, well, it's my children, or it's my work, or it's my hobby, or it's my grandchildren, or, you know, whatever it may be. So they'd write this stuff down. And then I'd say to them, Okay, we'd start the sort of the workshop, and I'd say, "Okay, so you know, let's have a go around the room. Why are you here today?" And everyone would sort of look at me and go, "Well, I think it's fairly obvious. I want to sleep," and and I go, "Okay, that's interesting. Is it really? Is that really why you're here?" And and people would go, "Actually, no. The reason I'm here is because I want to be able to sleep better, so that I can, you know." feel have the energy to go to the gym to you know ha- improve my mood uh which impacts on my relationship with my partner and my children to be more enthused with my hobby etc and so you see that actually you know the living of one's life is ultimately what what we're here for on this planet we all want to move towards who and what matters and the great thing is we can do that and if we have sort of Uh, an awareness of what's important to us in our lives and we can use that as a sort of a guiding light then it doesn't matter the sort of what discomfort comes along we can lean into the discomfort in order to keep moving towards what's important to us and and that you know so many of our clients will go I can't sleep uh, I can't live my life until I've got rid of my insomnia and well, that's a, that's one of the biggest traps, as you know, I'm sure is the same for tinnitus. Basically, what happens is people, they put all of their energy into trying to get rid of their insomnia and they stop doing things. Well, I, I can't go out at night because that could disturb my sleep. I won't go for that promotion. I won't have children. You know, the level at which people start to limit their life in order to control their lives is is absolutely you know harrowing and incredible. And and what we do with ACT is we're saying, OK, well, can you start to live your life with your insomnia? And, and that's really powerful because you know, when people start to live their life with their insomnia, well one of the, one of the, the fuel the major fuels for the insomnia struggle is is resentment. And actually when they're able to live their life a little bit, well, they they struggle less. and the more the less they struggle, the more energy they have. So they live their life a little bit more. And, and, you know, and that starts this new sort of cycle. So we move away from the vicious cycle to this new cycle whereby people are beginning to live their lives a little bit more. And, and people might be thinking, yeah, but how does this connect to sleep? Well, here's the thing. You know, if you are in a world where it's just full of struggle, you know, there's battle going on, well, your brain is going to feel like it's potentially dangerous to sleep but if you are actively living your life moving towards who and what matters your brain recognizes that your amygdala recognizes that and goes okay so you know there is sort of contentment happening there is you know i i'm i'm connecting to what's important to me that relays back and we know that a, a content and a happier brain is a is a safe brain and and you know a safe brain is a sleepier brain so you can see how this simple act of of living our life you know every day and I'm you know just to clarify I'm not talking about yes I'm going to go out and run a marathon it might just be well actually movement is important to me so I'm just going to take a five minute walk around the block um it's a because if you haven't slept all night it's hard to do exercise it's hard to engage with your friends etc but what's the smallest bit of action that you could do and and you start knocking over those uh, those dominoes. You start doing those small little actions, and that builds up. And it's it's and and it's all part of this building up this gentle process of transforming this relationship. You know, once again, we keep coming back to the the relationship with insomnia and tinnitus.
1: And honestly, I. I regularly during our conversation get goosebumps because I think you're much, much more than a sleep scientist. And this is where it's like, I'm not religious, but this is where it becomes even spiritual. When you start helping people to uh, claim their values back, to enable them to focus what is most important to them. And that is just for me, like, this is just for me, it's It's absolutely the most beautiful thing of what you can uh, want to accomplish in your life. And and that's what we try to do with our community and the people with tinnitus to show them that, you know, when you put all this importance in on, on getting rid of your tinnitus and you and you, you know, you adopt these belief systems like I can't sit silent in church and enjoy praying and sitting in silence, although that's one of the most enjoyable things that I had in my life then you limit yourself to that belief system, not trying out whether you can actually still sit in silence because silence is a concept, right? Silence is not. Something that in the same way that your concept is I need eight hours of perfect sleep in order to be able to do X, Y, Z. And only then can I continue to live my life and, 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 and engage in the areas that I want to engage in or become better in the areas that I want to become better in. And if you keep yourself stuck with these belief systems or if you help people change these belief systems and see that, in fact, these are these unhelpful patterns that keep them stuck in certain situations in their life. It be it in something tinnitus, and often in my coachings or, or in the in the sessions that I do with people, we regularly touch upon other things as well that are way past uh, tinnitus, right? So, mm. that that's the the phenomenal beauty, and maybe. It, that's not so much practical advice here, but I, that's where, for me, it becomes part of a much, much bigger thing where we say, um, and that's what you said, psychophysiological, right? And it's not a one pill assignment and it's not a, a sleep study and the right kind of pill that gets gets you back on track, but it is so much more in that, uh, of that. And and I guess for you, it's also, maybe you could speak to that, but I'm, I, I guess that during your years of, of working with people you have some seen so many reasons for people becoming insomniacs but also for them to transform their stories and lives with insomnia to really doing the things that they do best again and honestly when you help people sleep better you make the world a better place because if we if we have a lot of examples of people uh, uh, making decisions while they are uh, while they're insomniacs, and these decisions will surely not be very compassionate. They surely will be probably fueled by uh, many different emotions, but not by emotions that are beneficial to the outcome of the decision. And I just think it's 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 absolutely absolutely wonderful, and it's amazing that um you you help people lead this kind of kind of kind of kind of life, and and for them to recognize what is truly important for them. And this is one of the part. This is the final thing that I'm going to say. Um, is one of the part that we do in our community as well. We we, On the one hand, of course, it's everything that you said, uh, it's educating the person on the, the psychophysiological aspect of insomnia and our response to insomnia, but also at the same time identifying, well, how could I move towards a life that I want to build? because this is my choice right and and as soon as I go towards my choice for example the story with a lady and the coaching with a with the church and praying and I said to her wh- well you don't need to sit there for half an hour and pray how about you can pr- start practicing five minutes the same thing that you said about the marathon and the walking I said why don't you can why can't you try out fi-? and you know within within six weeks she was back at sitting there full tinnitus, half an hour praying and she loved it so mm-hmm. then suddenly tinnitus wasn't as scary anymore and she was like I love it. I'm back to absolutely doing everything I did before and now tinnitus just comes along for the ride and it's the same yeah. thing that you say insomnia comes along for the ride
0: exactly and and it's about changing one's relationship with the insomnia that you are willing to allow it to come along for the ride and you know that, that you as you said that that client of yours whereby you know it's almost like she sat in church with her arm around you know, the, the tinnitus saying, well, you can come and pray with me. You know, it's that it's that, you know, sort of uh, that complete shift. And and you're absolutely right. And I, I, I still get uh, goosebumps from clients, um, you know, today, even after doing this for quite a while, when I, I hear about, you know, how they've taken the ACT model and they've improved their sleep but they come back and go, but I I haven't stopped there. I'm now using this, you know, for managing um, my relationships, you know, for I'm living a richer, fuller life. You know, I'm engaging more, I'm, you know, whereas I might have shunned away from social situations or any sort of discomfort and 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 it is it's transformative and and you know if if for, for the benefit of the people who are listening you know acceptance and commitment therapy you know it is close to 40 years old now um but it's still considered sort of a new kid on the block as far as behavioral therapy is concerned you know it does have Um, over a thousand randomized controlled trials. So the best of sort of clinical trials that there are proving it to be effective, for you know, pretty much everything from depression, anxiety, substance abuse, chronic pain, work stress, um, tinnitus, insomnia, you name it. And, and there is, there's, you know, there's more and more research being done, you know, sort of every single day, um, and the ACT community is, you know, is is incredible for that. So, you know, if if people are struggling with, you know, uh, um, many sort of issues, then the ACT model is a transdiagnostic model. It can be sort of applied to, you know, many different um, uh, conditions, diagnosis, etc.
1: Yeah, I um, I think it, it, it. I I should ask you: Is there like a convention for people, who, uh, practitioners who apply ACT to? um to to sort of their fields because that would be the one thing that i i would be i'd be front of the row in every single in every single <laughs> event there is there something like that are you aware of something absolutely like that? absolutely yeah. oh, so nice. there,
0: there are i mean if you know if there are sort of clinicians listening um there's obviously there's what what's called the acbs uh the association of contextual behavioral uh uh so, <laughs> anyway we'll, just we'll, 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 we'll put it
1: back in there
0: we'll <laughs> yeah. put it, we'll put it <laughs> um, and and so the acbs if you, if you go to contextualscience.org, you'll find the home of uh yeah association of contextual behavioral scientists i think it is and uh you go to uh, contextual science you go to the home of acbs um and they have world cons so that and their world cons are you know the, like any other conference you've ever been to, um, it, it's you know it's just incredibly. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of supportive. It's it's huge learning, etc. Um, and and but also the ACBS website is a great way in which to go and find out more about acceptance and commitment therapy. You can find um, ACT therapists in your area who you know, and it might be you know you're looking for an ACT specialist for cancer, um, for IBS. Um, you know, you can almost guarantee you'll be able to find sort of someone who can help you either locally, face to face or sort of online as well.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's that's great. And um, Dr. Guy, can I ask you some questions from the community members? Because I, of course, have alerted people to the fact that I'm going to be speaking with you today. So if you have um, if you if you don't yeah. have a problem with it, uh, let us get into some Some questions, if that's okay with you.
0: Absolutely. Let's do it.
1: Okay, great. Well, uh, the first question that I have is from uh, Carl. And I know I've been working with Carl for a while now. And um, uh, uh, Carl does have the problem with uh, tinnitus and sleep as well. And he said yesterday, um, I still struggle with the concept that lying quietly awake, silver medal indicates to the brain that nighttime is for sleep. It has always been very hard for me to do that and I keep wanting to change positions. Most CBTI programs will have you get out of bed when you cannot fall asleep. So why the discrepancy between those and Dr. Guy?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so yeah, really fantastic question. And I guess in order to answer this so that people sort of understand, um, we can talk a little bit about the difference between um, CBTI and ACTI um, so one of the mainstays for cbti is what what uh, was it carl was it uh, was carl it?
1: yeah 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 carl, yeah, yeah, carl,
0: carl was yeah. referring to is something called stimulus control therapy um and uh, what that suggests is that um it, there's something called the quarter hour rule which is if you've been awake for more than 15 minutes get out of bed and go and do something else yeah. and the the basis behind it is you you don't want to Associate the nighttime with lying in bed, awake, struggling, and you know I completely agree with that um, because you know that that's just going to fuel that conditioned response. However, what I very quickly began to sort of disagree with when I was using CBTI was that you know is getting is telling someone to get out of bed the the answer the solution to this this sort of issue. We know that the more someone struggles, um, the more hyperarousal, the more, you know, the worse that will so- association become. But, you know, I was telling people to do this. And for some individuals, they created a new association whereby the nighttime was associated with basically getting up and running around the house. And and also, you know, for some individuals, well, getting out of bed, yes, made them feel less anxious you know, they didn't learn to deal with the anxiety. As soon as they got back into bed, they felt anxious again. So what I wanted to do was, you know, focus on two elements. The the first one was, what if we were to allow people to stay in bed? Because firstly, people just don't like getting out of bed. We're moving into winter in the Northern hemisphere here right now. And you know, when it's dark and cold, people don't like getting out of bed. So not many people would actually do it. But, you know, what if we were to teach people how not to struggle? What if we were to give them the tools to be open and willing to experience the discomfort that's showing up? And that could be the boredom. It could be the mind racing. It could be the anxiety, you know, or the restlessness, etc. So that was the first element can we use the ACT model to increase people's willingness to experience the discomfort? Um, And the second one was, well, what if we told people, if we allowed people to stay in bed? Because that's what they want to do anyway. Um, And also, we know that resting in bed in a peaceful state can actually bring you a lot of benefit. You're you're saving, you're conserving energy, for one, um, which is great for you know, sort of moving towards your values the next day but also you're still getting the benefits of rest you're getting repair you're getting memory consolidation so resting in bed is really helpful and so it was off the back of this that I created that the podium of nighttime behavior which is the gold medal goes to lying in bed asleep what we kind of all want the silver medal goes to lying in bed awake resting open to experiencing what's showing up the um the Bronze medal goes to lying in bed, kind of struggling. We're probably picking up our phone. We're engaging in our thoughts. We're sort of trying to get rid of stuff, you know, might be trying to count backwards from 300 or, you know, all of those techniques. And then no medals goes to getting up and running around the house. And to answer Carl's question, you know, how does um, the, the silver medal position, you know, help to bring us closer to sleep? And it's, it's, A lot of it's exactly what we've been speaking about already. It's about helping us to respond in the most helpful way to nighttime wakefulness. And one way I liken this to is imagine that we were stood on the edge of a pond, okay, the edge of a lake, and the lake is dead calm. And I sort of, uh, you know, sort of meet meet Carl and I meet you and I say, okay, guys. You know, I, I'm going to give you uh, I, I'm going to give you a stone and I want you to throw it in. But I want you to to throw the stone in, which is going to create the least amount of ripples. And so I hand you, you know, I've sort of you've got a choice. You can have a little pebble or you can have a sort of a, quite a big boulder. You know, which, which one are you going to choose?
1: <laughs> Probably the pebble, <laughs> the pebble. Yeah, it's
0: intuitive, isn't it? We're going to choose the pebble because we know that it's. You know, it's still going to create some ripples on the yeah. surface, but they won't be big ripples. And, and that's what I wanted. I wanted to respond to nighttime wakefulness in a way which creates the least amount of wakeful ripples, the least amount of arousal. And so the the silver place, it's about being in the moment. So we've got that sort of mindful, noticing element which is really great because that that moves us into the prefrontal cortex which has with it so much sort of emotional regulation we're we're sort of being a bit of more of an observer we've also got that um uh, we've got the sort of the, the rest element to it and um we've got the open skills where we're learning to be to notice and let go of our thoughts and to be willing to experience our feelings and we've got the valued element as well we're we're purposely choosing to respond this way to save energy for the next day and what this does is and this is the this is the the most important element is that you are behaving in this way in this moment not to get yourself to sleep then so Silver Place is about giving yourself permission to be awake in order to cultivate a healthy relationship with sleep, which will enable you to sleep in the future. and And this is where our, our you know the, the big sort of um, uh, you know, trap in a way that most of us fall into is we go, "I want to do stuff now." which is going to get me to sleep. So I'm going to do this deep breathing now. I'm going to do this meditation now in order to get me to sleep now. But sleep is a natural biological process that we can't control. So what we want to do is we're responding now to educate our amygdala that it's safe to sleep in order to train it to sleep better in the future. So hopefully that sort of clears Uh, that up.
1: I I I am a personal I think some people who are listening to this who are in the community they will sometimes people might get annoyed by me using so many metaphors but I'm exactly the same I love these metaphors like metaphorical <laughs> language like the the stones and and the and the marble is an amazing concept and it's perfectly perfectly well and the only thing I can add to that is uh, what you say in your book um to access the pre-sleep phase which everyone is doing right quite naturally but the insomniac insomniac has uh, uh, stopped Uh, using to access this pre-sleep phase, which every other normal sleeper is uh, doing every night while putting their head on the pillow, closing the eyes, not getting distracted by the fact that they're not immediately sleeping. Right. So, so, so like accessing this pre-sleep phase to be asleep at a later stage, not right now, but at a later Mm. stage and knowing that if in half an hour, I'm not asleep, that's perfectly okay. Because if after half an hour, I'm not asleep and I'm going like, Oh my goodness, why am I not asleep? That kind of arousal prevents us from falling asleep. And then an hour later, we deploy further coping strategies. So maybe if I can just say one thing for people with tinnitus, um, it's it's about accessing this. And um, I know that uh, the the journey is a, like the, the, the challenge uh, basically got upgraded to level two already because if you're dealing with uh, arousal based on tinnitus and of the fact that you are awake at night, then those two things combined might make it even harder. But uh, uh, again, there is no sign that you lose the physiological ability by your auditory cortex uh, being uh, a little bit more active because your auditory cortex is always active during sleep even, right? So we all know that... That the auditory cortex is constantly active. And that's the reason for why we are easily awakened out of sleep when when sounds happen that we are not familiar with. And our our amygdala decides to say, Hey, Get up! There's something going on here. For example, that's why we have smoke detectors that uh, have a high pitch alarm in the middle of the night when they go off, right, to wake us up and say, "Hey, there's uh, some, there's a fire going on. Get up and get out of bed." And of course, uh, our ears function in that way that they are alert and say, "Like, get up now." And um, it, but it is, but it is the categorization of these things. And my metaphorical language always includes if you um, if you move to a new place um, and there's train tracks nearby. And um, at first it's very difficult to sleep because every 20 minutes there's a train going. It's sort of similar to your tinnitus when you try to fall asleep. And um, uh, at first, the first few nights it's very difficult for you to sleep because the train constantly wakes you up again. But after two weeks, you get a visitor, you sleep normal. The visitor goes like, oh, I had a terrible night of sleep. What's with that train out there? And you're like, what train? And you're like, well, I-, I thought these trains stopped going because there was some, and they're like, no, no, the train were going all, every time. And I'm, I'm saying like, so it is the relationship that you have with that train that determines whether you're being waken up or whether you're going to be soundly asleep. And it's the same thing with your tinnitus. If you condition yourself in the way that you know that tinnitus is no obstacle to to uh, experiencing a, 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 a completely and restful sleep, and I am deaf on one ear and I have a hearing aid and tinnitus in my other ear, and I choose to put an earplug in that right ear because I prefer to... <laughs> To uh, uh not be woken up by my by my uh, neighbors' kids running around in the middle of the night or stuff like that, so you know it's all about how you respond in that sense, and 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 I think that's what 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 really matters, and that's why it's so important. And and I, I thought that is just uh, one of the most um amazing things for people to also realize when they do struggle with insomnia in your book. The silver, gold, and bronze medal for me is always like, it's like a kind of way of gauging how am I behaving towards my insomnia right now? What what position am I in? And what do I have to do? Or rather, what do I have to stop doing in order to move up a position? Yeah.
0: And and I think the only thing which I would add to that, which was quite interesting is when we wrote the overcoming insomnia 30-day course in the Sleep School app, which, as I said, is this sort of updated version. I actually chose to leave out the 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 the, the medals podium, and uh, it's quite interesting. There are a few sort of hardline, you know, sleepbook fans, and they were like, "Where's the podium?" <laughs> you know, so that's something which um, you know we, we have to sort of. Uh, I'm going to reintroduce and put back in because you know it really helped, and and that it is about you know it's about finding metaphors which help people to understand the process and to respond in the most helpful way.
1: Nice. Do we have time for another question? Absolutely. Okay, great. Uh, and then the next one is from Sophia. Um, Sophia says, I do sleep well, but I wake up at least once, sometimes twice in the night, not because of the tinnitus, but other women's medical issues. Does broken sleep affect us or should we try to get seven or eight hours of, uninter- Ooh, that would be nice. eh?" of uninterrupted sleep i also fall asleep a lot on the on the city at night should i go to bed or is it okay to doze like that um and yeah that's okay. that's sophia's question
0: so i th- i think the, the the first thing that i would say to sophia which is so important for you know for everyone to understand it, and and when we're doing you know uh we we have a uh, sort of what we call a sleep essentials talk and and it's it's about sort of dispelling a few of the myths and helping people to just understand what happens when we sleep and you know the big understanding is that it's perfectly normal to wake in the night um this concept that we have to put our head on the pillow here and we wake up here and nothing happens in between you know it is 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 kind of myth um Okay, yeah. If when you're in your early twenties, the kind of the golden age of sleep, yes, you (laughs) you probably will do that.
1: Pass out. Um,
0: Yeah, exactly. You pass out, and then you wake up, and it's like, wow, you know. Wow. But actually, yeah, exactly. The, The 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 for the majority well what we know physiologically is happening is if you bring someone into a clinic and you put electrodes on their head and you measure their brain's electrical activity which is the way in which we are able to score whether someone is in the different sleep stages what you'll notice is that we actually sleep in cycles which are an hour and a half to two hours long and what people do is they will go from wakefulness down into light sleep, down into deep sleep, back up to light, into REM, and then they pop out again. And that sort of very brief awakening, you know, it, it, it can be, you know, sort of it's uh, sort of a few seconds at best. And most people are not aware of it actually occurring. Um, but we we hypothesise that this is just an evolutionary adaptation, um, simply because. You know, sleep was potentially dangerous you know sleep sort of increased the likelihood of us um being eaten but because our guard was down and so you know I-, I like to refer to these little these little awakenings as our sort of as our brains meerkat moments um yeah. they're sort of you know the, the 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 meerkats you know you you see these nature programs and you know big sort of uh troop of them yeah and there'll always be a few of them on their little sort of uh little humps you know sort of checking for danger and that's kind of what you know our brain does is every hour and a half to two hours it sort of pops up and it goes oh anything to be worried about and and then you know for most of us we sort of go back down and you know the other important physiological uh and and so we will the average eight hour sleeper will have you know four awakenings per night there's a greater tendency to wake up um in the latter part of the night and that's simply because as we go through the day we build up our sleep drive and the, that's the sleepiness uh sort of uh, to, to the, the, well, the 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 sleepiness which we have in the system and it's the the drive to fall asleep and so um that is obviously we often say you need 16 hours of, of sleep drive to drive you know eight hours of sleep and so For most normal sleeping individuals, they will have their highest level of sleepiness right before falling asleep. That's what helps them to fall into sleep. As they go through the night, um, that will dissipate. And after the first four hours, most of that uh, sleep drive, and it's it's mostly uh, connected to a brain chemical called adenosine, adenosine, which is a byproduct of adenosine triphosphate, the energy molecule, um, it, it will be metabolized. So this means that as we, sort of, let's say you go to bed at 10, you know, you might sleep perfectly between 10 and two, that first four hours, first two cycles. But then you're moving into a different phase of sleep. You're, our sleep drive is getting much lower. Um, You know, and as we're certainly, as we're moving towards waking up as well, um, our body clock starts to go, oh, well, we should start increasing core body temperature. We should start increasing cortisol. We start, that. Uh, basically, we start waking up a long, you know, two to three hours before we're actually awake, and so if you're coming out of a cycle in the early hours of the morning, it can feel like you're swimming against the tide in a way, um, you know, because because of the you haven't got the, the big sleep drive pushing you to sleep, your your cortisol's increased, your core body temperature's increased, and so it's perfectly normal to to wake up, and you know what you might find is that for insomniacs, they can wake up and their mind is instantly like. Where's the bear? Um, but for a normal sleeper who has lots of stuff to do, they might wake up and they go, "What have I got to do today? You know, what about that? You know, podcast I've got to record, or what about that meeting I've got to give, etc." That's perfectly normal as well. And this is where we respond in that the silver place sort of uh, approach, you know, sort of in order to to say to the to the to your amygdala, "It's okay. there's there's, there's nothing to be concerned about here. Let's just rest here." And you know. All being well, that will allow us to, um, uh, to to slip back into sleep and and we carry on. So yeah, the, the big take home message there is that it's perfectly normal to wake up in the middle of the night, and for so many of our clients, just knowing that can help to lessen anxiety, which is a great step
1: towards better sleep. And 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 if I can just. Um probably what you uh, uh, pointed towards now is probably most of the meanest effects of insomnia that uh, exactly this um, after the first few hours uh, you start getting more into these wakefulness cycles and especially that in response to the hyper reactivity right of like Ooh, I I already have a history of not sleeping so well, and then the, the 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 biggest chunk of the sleep drive has been eaten away by the first few phases of deep sleep and 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 lighter stages, etc. And and then the mean part of that is probably uh, maybe I'm wrong here, but that the more the most restful part of the night is probably the one where we have more REM sleep, right? Towards the 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 phases where we where we feel a little bit more restful, and then if you don't get that. You'd maybe feel a little bit more unrefreshed rather than when you have the full seven hours or something. Maybe I'm wrong. Please, uh, that that's,
0: <laughs> you're, you're well, the I expert think, here. I, I think that's actually it's it's a really good point to just touch on. You know, what do the different um, stages of sleep do, and, uh, and 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 what does good quality sleep look like? The common mistake that most people make is is people will come to our clinic and we say what do you want and they go I want a hundred percent deep sleep and <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: and yeah. and this is where we break it to them that actually only twenty yeah. percent of the night is spent in deep, thirty yeah. percent is spent in REM and fifty percent is spent in light. But actually, complete you know good quality sleep is getting complete cycles of light deep REM light deep REM. But what we will see is that in the first third of the night, there'll be a higher proportion of non-REM sleep. Uh, you know, certainly that's where we get most of our deeper sleep. And that is what what's, helps to sort of give us that sense of being restored. Um, in the second part of the night, all things being well, we will have a higher proportion of REM, rapid eye movement sleep. And REM is mm-hmm. where we're doing most of our memory and an emotional processing whereas deep sleep is where we're doing most of our physical growth and repair and so I think what is important about REM is to understand it is responsible it's it's, you know uh, I think Matthew Walker and the research that they did they did a, a really great sort of pioneering paper in 2011 and they referred to REM sleep as being the sort of overnight therapy which is Mm. you know it it is really incredible because REM sleep what it does is is what one of the things it does is it will take those stresses of the day it will replay them except it replays them without the stress hormones present so it switches off the press the stress hormones almost help helping us to have this kind of quite objective viewpoint and so it literally helps us to to wake us up happier um but what this does mean is that our REM sleep tends to be quite active. It's, you know, and actually some of my research um, looking into the regulation of brain blood flow, what we find is that your your brain blood flow would reduce by, you know, up to twenty five percent during deep sleep. You know, so so you can really see there's this reduction. But when people went into REM, it would suddenly come back to to waking levels, or if not above wow. waking levels. Yeah. And, and this was always super exciting because it kind of and there's this um, th- there are some uh, sleep researchers out there who suggest that actually the brain has more fun during sleep. Um, yeah. The fact that the brain during REM sleep, the brain looks like it's working harder than it is during the day. So it, it, it kind of gives you to your point. REM sleep can be a very active, vivid dream filled type of sleep and some uh individuals you know certainly with some conditions can find that they can have more REM sleep so that does mean that actually people can wake up feeling almost shattered as a result of the the processing that's been going on and this is you know one simple tip that I always talk about is actually don't forget the daytime you know sort of we are, The nighttime is a reflection of the daytime. So if you're going through a lot of stress, you know, use the act tools in the daytime use mindfulness in the daytime, because that can help to take the pressure of the, the sort of the the uh, the work that sleep has to do.
1: And I think uh, that is a, a fantastic segue into um, uh, thanking you uh, so much for uh, taking all this time today. Um, I know that you have a very, very busy schedule. And for me, um, it's been a huge honor and a big pleasure to be uh, bringing this to the tinnitus community. And um And I want to give you the opportunity now to just quickly run us through all the resources that you um, have out there for people if they want to get started with your program. Um, uh, I know there's a lot of people out there like, I have this to do, I have that to do. I don't know if I can uh, start a program right now, but there is no time like the present and getting good quality sleep with tinnitus or without tinnitus um, is always a fantastic idea to just increase your quality of life so much. So, um, and if you would want to share with us quickly about where people can find you all, all the resources that we've been talking about today, I think that would be very, very helpful for people as well.
0: Absolutely. So I've mentioned that we have the Sleep School app. So it's it's Sleep School app. You can find it on all of your app stores. There's a seven-day free trial. Um, you know, that that's probably the easiest thing to do. It's it's certainly the the latest uh version of of the sleep book. You know, if and the great thing about the 30-day course is it 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 takes you through the whole of the program gently. It's packed full of, you know, animations, guided audios, videos, etc. So it's a much more sort of animated version, an audio-filled version of 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 the sleep book. But obviously, so there's 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 the, there's the sleep school app. If people want that print version, there is the the sleep book, and you know that it, it's translated into many languages, including German. Um, so there's uh, the, there's that sort of side as well. Um, if people want to just go to the Sleep uh, the sleep School website, it's just sleepschool.org. That will give them a, a good understanding of, of what we do. Um, if people want to get access to our clinic, we have actually made it that um, in recent times that most people who were coming to the clinic were, were coming to the clinic having been doing the app. And so now um, in order to get a clinic appointment, you you need to have an active subscription to the app. And so that could be just a seven day free trial. And then we can do a kickoff session or we can do a, you know, sort of a midway through session or a post session. And um, and then like you, we also have a community. So we have a, a, a Facebook Sleep School community, um, which is. You know, it sounds similar to yours. It's a wonderful, caring, loving, supportive community. We have lots of members who have, you know, who who sleep well, but, you know, remain in order to uh, to help support, which is just you know, it, it's mind blowing for me. It's, it's they such a, a wonderful bunch of individuals. So you know, you can um, request to join that. It's it's a completely you know free space, and there's there's lots that sort of goes on there. And you know, again with the app, I'm I'm regularly running uh, webinars, um, free events. So I was running a Q and A uh, yesterday. Um, on Thursday, I'm running a welcome to the app session. And then each middle of the, each month, I'll run a sort of a topic session, like managing insomnia setbacks or something. So those will be the main resources. Um, but I, I guess also, you know, from my part, uh, it's you know, it's I, I've been looking forward to this conversation, Frida. It's uh, I know that you are hugely passionate about what you do. And I can hear it in your voice. It's, you know, it's, it's, I, I absolutely, I love speaking to other individuals who've been on this journey and, you know, who are passionate about ACT and applying it. And and I think there's, you know, there's huge amounts of synergy between the work we do. So thank you for everything that you're doing in supporting your tinnitus uh, um, uh, clients and, you know, and, and the tinnitus world, but also, you know, getting the message out about acceptance and commitment therapy, because I think it can have a, a much bigger impact on, on the world
1: yeah thank you and i i can only uh recommend it and uh i can i i don't even know how many times i'm not sure if there's a thing on audible where you can check how many times i have played your audiobook but i have so many times times and times over and i just find it like i find little things in there it's amazing how you can like every single time you go through a resource again of how you can refine something and that is fantastic so to, um to you thank you so much um I really do appreciate so much everything that you do and um I I, I think I said this in 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 one of our appointments that we had um that I I, I think um it's it's difficult to grasp the impact and the effect that you have on people's lives and that for me is uh, is amazing and I get goosebumps from that and I'm um, I, I I know that some people um, feel in the tinnitus community the same way about what I do, but it's always similar. It's 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 not the same when you have that feeling towards another human being, like when other human beings have that feeling about yourself. So, thank you for everything that you do, and this is honestly something that I mean. So for everything that you do for all the people out there who are struggling with sleep, and um, of of bringing in a holistic way of telling people it's okay and you will start sleeping normally again, and that that to me is amazing. So thank you for that. <laughs>
0: Thank you, Frida. And, uh, and
1: hopefully we can chat again soon. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be amazing. Thank you, Dr. Guy. Thank you. Take care. Wow. What a ride, eh? Um, probably one of my all-time favorite podcast guests. No, I don't discriminate. I love everyone who's coming onto the show because everyone has to share or everyone shares insightful uh, uh, stuff with us and our as listeners. And, you know, not everyone might be struggling with sleep. Uh, But for those who do, I can't recommend Dr. Guy and his team and all the stuff he does enough. Uh, I hope it's been a transformative experience for you. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Um, If you want to watch the video version along with a special section um, on how you can manage and improve your sleep then uh, you might uh, want to consider joining our community for a free trial at www.mytinnitus.club We have exclusive stuff there and of course also all the resources that you need in order to get to better sleep even with tinnitus so that's something that you should check out Um, apart from that I've mentioned all the resources where you can find uh, Dr. Guy and his team the sleep school app uh, the book and uh, etc so um, yeah thank you very much for tuning in this for me was um, uh, a very very insightful episode I get goosebumps when I think about um, that uh, Dr. Guy is transforming so many people's lives allowing them to really claim back their life to go uh, past uh, their uh, fears of insomnia to really conquer their lives and spend time with family enjoy life being with friends all of these kind of things that we all should or would want to be aiming for and you know i want to do the same or i'm doing the same for the people with tinnitus maybe not for uh, 20 years already like dr guy but uh, uh, for the last five years. So uh, I've been coaching hundreds of people all over the world in how they can use the science-based tools of acceptance and commitment therapy and CBT approaches in order to habituate to their tinnitus so that tinnitus goes into the background where it belongs. And uh, the one last thing that I want to mention to you, before, you uh, before I release you from this episode um, is uh, my free guide or the 100 Hacks to Tinnitus. You'll find a link in the description to this podcast episode. So if you're interested in in um, uh, getting uh, those free resources, then you can uh, sign up using the link in the description. The one is my free guide to tinnitus, uh, a few pages of action-packed PDF uh, reading material that you can use in order to start your journey towards tinnitus habituation. And on the other side, the 100 hacks that are based on my book, Accepting the Unacceptable, an 8 Weeks journey towards tinnitus habituation, which you can get under wwwtinnitus bookcom But uh, not so much. I don't want to destroy the vibe that we had in this episode. Um, I wish you all a fantastic weekend. These episodes come out every Friday. Again, as I said in the intro already, if you want to give back something, then uh, the best thing you can do for me is to subscribe to this podcast, give us a positive five-star You on the platform of your choice and i will make sure to keep the content and the podcast coming and yeah i hope you have a fantastic weekend to wherever you're listening to i hope this has inspired you to conquer uh, your tinnitus or your insomnia or the fear of the things that you might be overcoming right now and you know where to go if you want a place where you can do that together with amazing people all right thank you so much for tuning in today and i wish you a fantastic weekend hear you in the next one goodbye Thank you very much for listening to the Outring Tinnitus podcast. I am looking forward to also welcome you on my website at outringtinnitus.com. or if you have any questions, please mail to frida at outringtinnitus.com. See you next time.